0: Welcome to the Chicken Coop Botanicals Podcast. I'm your host, Deba Carty. Chicken Coop Botanicals is a small apothecary both online and nestled in a little chicken coop on the edge of a forest meadow in an alder and cedar grove. This podcast has a mission of earth connection, just as my products do. I am a long-time advocate of slow food and in extension to that, slow living. So pour yourself a cup of tea, sit back. And join me on my little bit of Mount Hood. Hello there. After a week of sun, I finally have our garden completely planted and it feels so good. <laughs> and of course, today the rain is back. But for once this spring, I'm sure happy about it. Uh, all those seeds that I just planted, including six different varieties of uh, beans, are now getting well watered, and by next week this time, the sun will return for many days, and everything is just gonna be sprouting like crazy, including the weeds, but that's par for the course. Um I hope you enjoyed the new intro. I feel like I always struggle for what I'm saying at the beginning of the podcast to welcome new listeners that don't know who I am previously. So I am hopeful that this helps uh, give just a little view of where I am, what I'm about. Uh, If there's any other details that you would love to hear in the beginning intro, please let me know. And I don't like it to get too long, but um, I think it's important for people to continue listening. To that end, um, I would also, I hate requesting things like this because I feel like it either happens or it doesn't, but um, to get up the food chain in iTunes, <laughs> if you like this podcast, please think about going and giving it a review. And, uh, and again, if you have any um, requests of things that I share on the podcast, please don't hesitate to contact me. I was so, so happy uh, to receive an email this week from an, a listener of my first podcast at the kitchen table, Linda. We met, I, I believe, through that podcast, and she and I uh, emailed back and forth for a number of years, and we've been out of contact for a long time. So welcome back, Linda. I'm so happy that we have this connection again through the new podcast. This week has been, well, I can't even say this week, the last 48 hours have been very interesting for me. I had quite a health scare and uh, happy to say that um, nothing is as bad as, as was thought for uh, two days. <laughs> but um, when doctors start banding about the word cancer, <laughs> you start to evaluate your life. And uh, two nights ago, Uh, My husband and I were standing out barbecuing some salmon, and I looked around, and I realized that I am so very blessed and happy with my life, and I have zero regrets, and I think that we all need to think of that more often, not just when big, big C words come out. I really do like this new doctor. He's our country doctor up here on the mountain. But uh, starting off an appointment before giving an exam, saying I'm going to assume you have cancer until we prove otherwise, really puts someone not in the right mind. <laughs> um, as an herbalist, I really strive to use natural products whenever possible, but. There's a reason that we have evolved into uh, the knowledge that we receive to create modern medicine. And uh, I will try every uh, plant use possible. But when I realize that that just isn't working, I will go to the doctor. And I certainly uh, suggest that of anyone. And to that end, um, I just wanted to talk about giving daily gratitude. It's something that I've done for a year and a half every single day, and oh my goodness, it's such a wonderful way to start my day. And I've written about this for um, students, and I don't think I've talked about it here, so forgive me if I am repeating myself, but this practice I think bears repeating. When I go out to let the chickens out in the morning, I am... I just now it's just so become part of of what I do that I don't really think about it much but three things that I am grateful for in that moment and looking around I, it's pretty darn easy for me to find things that I'm grateful for <laughs> but today it was the beauty of the roses first opening and it was gratitude for this rain that was coming to nourish the ground and help those plants um, come about, uh, be able to, uh, emerge. And, uh, the, I have great gratitude for what I might learn today, because every day for me is a learning experience. When we stop learning, what do we have? (laughs) Um, to this end, I always want to give back to the earth. And sometimes it's with my breath Sometimes it's with an offering that I have put together of plants and seeds that are special to me that I then give back to nourish the earth. Um, It just, it depends on where I am and what's going on at the moment. So sometimes it's sprinkling out uh, the corn scratch for my chickens and doing it in threes. I give Three gratitudes and three gifts is kind of my personal practice. And so three scoops of scratch, which makes all the chickens quite happy and the ducks do. Um, and th- that was my gift today. And honestly, having uh, one of those kind of scares, I really think uh, just kind of puts, puts a lot of gratitude in perspective and uh, makes your heart bigger. I find that when I start my day in gratitude, I also um, I'm looking around, I'm becoming more aware of my surroundings, my head isn't looking down at the ground. And it's really a glass half full, it doesn't matter. Yesterday was a very stressful day. um, Before I got my the news from the doctor, Um, a friend that's coming to visit had a terrible injury, uh, falling off the stairway to the airplane, uh, coming off the airplane. And, um, another friend has a business that is almost completely um, ready to close and not happily. So, (laughs) so having those things weigh on my heart, still being able to start both, um, yesterday and today in gratitude, um, helps keep the stress at bay, helps um, put the smile on my face that I have right now. Uh, I just think it's something, it's a very simple act, that if everyone was doing that, I think that we would uh, be able to communicate with each other a little easier because we'd all have full hearts. Two weeks ago, I recorded a podcast and uploaded it on the spots that I upload, which are it's hosted at podcast.com. And you can always find it also on my website, chickencoopbotanicals.com. But I, from podcast.com, it uploads to iTunes. And two weeks ago when I did that, let me rephrase that. Two episodes when I did that. So a month ago was (laughs) episode 103. That dropped so fast. Within five minutes, it was in my, uh, to listen to queue on iTunes podcasts. Last week, when I uploaded the podcast to these different sites, it didn't hit through iTunes till six days later. So if you are just now listening to last week, I'm not sure if you're going to immediately see this episode or if you are going to be waiting almost a week to listen to this. It's a little frustrating, (laughs) but it also to me just shows the celebration of how many people are podcasting right now. There's so many podcasts out there of just so many different subjects. I love it. I have really expanded the kinds of podcasts I listened to over the years Uh, back in the days when I first started podcasting and started listening to podcasts for me they were all in the knitting genre or spinning I think I don't really think that um, I don't think I was listening to any others for a few years there it was all just in my creative niche of creating with yarn and textiles now today, uh the podcasts I've been listening to for the last few years are definitely herbal based. Um I love uh one that comes out of um Berkeley. And this is actually a radio show that they um record that they put out as a podcast too. And I'm pulling it up right now, is why you sound a little it's called The Herbal Highway. It's KPFA, the Herbal Highway. So if you live in the Bay Area, you should check out this radio show. It is so good. It's on 94.1. There are two different herbalists that um, take turns uh, hosting the show. And I I just really enjoy, especially their interviews with other people, other writers or herbalists from around the country, mushroom um, foragers, Farmers, uh, it's really, it's just wonderful and, and they are both wonderful interviewers, but they also will have shows where they focus on maybe a portion of the body or, um, maybe herbs for your liver or for your immune support or herbs for grief or, um, other emotional support. Uh, it's just a really good one and I highly recommend it. Um, And then um, the other one that I love that is um, put on by Mountain Rose Herbs is called Herbal Radio, and they don't come out all that often. They're all not necessarily interviews, but they are all free talks that are given by herbalists at Mountain Rose Herbs, which is uh, an herb supplier down in Eugene, Oregon, and they sell to anyone. uh, If you are looking for medicinal herbs or just teas, Um, they make some of their own products, but if you want to make your own, that's a really great site. Um, If you're an herbalist, you tend to buy more in bulk, and so you're able to get discounts, but I think it's wonderful that for um, someone that's just Wanting to make one thing and can't find an ingredient, you can get uh, four ounces of something and it's um, not very expensive at all. But anyway, um, they have a monthly uh, forum. Uh, I think they're still doing this where uh, they bring in a speaker and it's a free event for locals. And occasionally they will uh, put those out on a podcast called Herbal Radio. So that's another good one. And then I wanted to talk about two that are, um, um, I don't know that, I mean, they're much more earth connection based, more than herbal based. And one that I think is so wonderful and so important is called For the Wild. This podcast is so thoughtful, uh, they are all interviews and, um, the woman that I cannot remember her name at the moment. I was trying to find um, descriptions so that I could see. Um, I can't find the description, but uh, it's a an hour long program, a forum for powerful conversations with the philosophers, scientists, activists, healers, artists, and others who are leading the movement to restore our. beleaguered planet to its natural balance. The show deals with the most urgent questions facing the next generation of earth stewards. How do we reverse ecological damage and create a culture of regeneration? How do we confront the psychological challenges of an uncertain future while healing the age-old wounds of alienation from nature? That description pretty much gives you an exact idea of what that podcast is about. And I highly recommend those three. The fourth I find just to be so thoughtful. Um, It's called Dream Freedom Beauty, Conscious Living Guided by Nature and Spirit. Uh, Lizzie Ross is the host on that one. And I just thought I would tell you what some of the... uh, last few episodes were about. Um, And these are also all interviews. um, And they are definitely magical. And they're all, um, I think all of them are uh, women-centered. Let's see here. Healer and intuitive Amelia Vulgar on working with nature spirits and teachings from a pregnant elephant. Some of these might sound odd, but I have to tell you, um, they are really... They're really beautiful, and, um, and also it's like you're just sitting and listening to their conversation. And um, there have been a few which I haven't connected with, but for the most part, I've just walked away with a smile from just about all of them. Um, Kiara O'Leary on telling the difference between intuition and fear, breaking up in a loving way. Uh, root Worker Jessica Winston on Hoodoo Folk Magic and Honoring Your Blood and Spiritual Ancestors. Um, let's see here. Mystic Hey Heru of Samar on the Truth of African Contributions to Society and on Being a Modern Monk. And that brings me to another podcast. Boy, I'm just going to sit and talk about other podcasts today. <laughs> But I did want to share um, another. You know, some of the others that I listen to are more um, like the New Yorker Fiction, First We Eat. But a very wonderful and also important one is On Being with Krista Tippett, and that is a an op- or PBS radio show, or NPR I guess would be the radio show, um, and it's called On Being, and. I just am never in the car anymore when, uh, that shows on. So I was thrilled when I found out that Krista had a podcast and she is right up there with Terry Gross, um, for being one of the best and most thoughtful interviewers. Um, she is, she interviews, and I, I can't even, they're, they're just people in the world that are making a difference, I guess is the best way to say it. But it's like this one is Brian Greene, Reimagining the Cosmos, cosmos Excuse me, um, Patrice Cullors and Robert Ross, The Spiritual Work of Black Lives Matter. Or, um, oops, I guess I need to listen to some of these. They're starting to disappear on me. <laughs> um, Marie Howe, The Power of Words to Save Us. They're all just, their artists, they are writers, they're uh, people that are provoking thought in the world today. And I just feel like uh, podcasts are really a wonderful conduit to connect with like-minded folks and um, to be able to uh, listen to some thoughtful conversations versus what's going on um, on not just the news, but on the talk shows, the political talk shows that were almost every one of them seemed to end in arguing and everyone trying to talk over each other. And what point is, is getting across other than anger and fear? And I just, I have stopped listening to a lot of those. Well, all of those, (laughs) um, We tried to sit down the other night and watch Samantha Bee. I love her show, but I found myself getting stressed out because I've taken such a long hiatus from even the comedy portion of politics that I realized I wasn't quite ready to go back to that. And uh, right now, I feel like what's important to me is to listen to thought provokers on how how we can move forward in our lives, in thoughtful ways, in constructive ways, and, um, do what's good for the earth, for our fellow man. Um, I'm not saying I'm putting my head in the sand and, uh, I was, you know, thrilled to see that the, there were no major riots <laughs> in Portland's, um, Uh, resistance that happened last weekend. Although um, the pro-Trump movement did start throwing, uh, pulling bricks off of a local bathroom and throwing them at people. So the whole, the whole thing was broken up. But I have to say that there has to be somewhere that we meet in the middle. And it does not mean that you have to change your belief system. But in the end, this is one country, and how are we going to move on from here? This man is only going to be there for a few years and he's doing a lot of damage, but it's up to the rest of us to figure out how to move past this. So, that is the only political comments you're going to get from me for a good long time. <laughs> Let's talk about tea, shall we? Um, I, part of the problem uh, that I'm experiencing um, health-wise is, and men, you may not want to hear all this, so you can fast forward a few, a couple minutes, Um, but I am 52 and I've been in menopause for five years and all of a sudden here I am bleeding again. Uh, But this is not what started, I thought was... There, you can most definitely have breakthrough bleeding as a, um, as a menopausal woman. And however, when it is going on and on and on and on for several months, then that's when it's time to, to look at options. So in combating, um, what is going on, I'm drinking lots and lots of nettle tea. Because I, with all the blood that I'm losing, I did not want to become anemic, and nettles are just so darn good and full of minerals. And I know I've talked about nettle tea before or nettles before because they are my favorite plant. Um I am smack dab in the time of year that I have for my entire life had hay fever, and about five years ago, when I started drinking the nettle tea daily for, um, hair growth, all of a sudden, no more allergies. So I would not be able to, um, produce this podcast, even if I was on, you know, Allegra or Claritin or something like that, because I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to function. So being able to to have some nettles uh that makes me very happy and I love the taste but today's tea is a combination of nettles I put some comfrey in there um and the comfrey is definitely very healing in the body and uh So I'm looking for that right now. (laughs) And I love lemon balm, which is calming to the nervous system and mint. Both of those are great for digestion. And for some people, uh, comfrey tea, having comfrey inside can be irritating. And I've never had the experience, but I didn't want to start. So why not make a nice uh, combination to make sure I don't have any issues? So the other thing is, is that if you don't love the green flavor of nettles by adding herbs that you love, um, they are both, you know, medicinally, um, helpful to each other, but why not? I, I just, unless you have to take something by itself, that's going to taste bad. Why not make something taste good? That is my opinion (laughs) and I'm sticking to it so I'm enjoying this tea very much to get the most out of the nettles and the comfrey I um, put all these dried herbs well I shouldn't say all these dried herbs the nettles were actually the only dried herbs I put in this jar it's a quart canning jar and then I went outside picked the um, comfrey which is in flour right now and a little of uh, chocolate mint and um, the lemon balm leaves and put them all in the jar and poured just barely boiling water over that and let it sit for an hour and now I'm sipping on this and I don't even bother taking the herbs out because they just continue um, to open their cells and put more of their wonderful healing medicine into the tea but that is the thing that I wanted to talk about tea today is that when you take a tea bag, like you buy, um, let's say chamomile tea at the store and, um, you brew your cup of tea with your tea bag. And after five minutes, you strain out your tea bag and you drink your tea. It tastes wonderful. And you might feel a little bit relaxed from that, but truly to get any kind of uh, the medicinal benefits from the plants, you need to steep your tea for a minimum of 20 minutes. And when you really want deep healing, I'm, the very best is to for me to have made this tea last night before bed and then get up in the morning, strain it and drink it. And then all of those minerals are coming out of the tea. So um, when you are... I mean, that it's nothing to say that you should not enjoy that chamomile tea after dinner in the evening. Um, it is still wonderful, and it just has to do with what is your intention for drinking your tea. Is it medicinal, or is it just the enjoyment of a wonderful tasting hot cup of an herbal infusion? So, but I just wanted to share um, that about tea. And then the other thing that I wanted to share recipe-wise is if you follow me on Instagram, Um, last night I showed a photo of our uh, almost dinner. I made a wonderful asparagus pesto and I showed the pesto. I didn't actually show the finished dish. I was just about to take my first bite thinking I should grab my phone and take a photo. And I looked up at my husband and I looked down and I'm like, that's not appropriate sometimes just eating your meal and having (laughs) the event not need to be documented is the very best way to go (laughs) but i wanted to share uh, the recipe for my asparagus pesto with you and uh, how i presented it Um, a basic pesto is really just an herbal paste with an herb traditionally basil this is an italian dish and traditionally pine nuts, Italian pine nuts, garlic, Parmesan, olive oil, a little salt. That's all a pesto is. Um, That's all pureed together. And then you you have this and put it in a bowl and you put your hot pasta over the top and add more Parmesan and toss it all together. And that's a dish and it's so easy. You can put it on any kind of pasta but um, the idea of that being the basis of an herb, a nut, cheese, garlic, you can do so much with that. So in the spring, when we have lots of asparagus, I love an asparagus pesto. But to me, um, asparagus does taste fairly mild, especially in a puree. So the, to me, the punch it needs is tarragon. I always put tarragon in there and last night I decided our basil just has a few leaves that are are uh, good enough or big enough I should say to eat they're all good enough (laughs) so I added a little bit of basil and some Italian parsley in there just it was really made everything nice and bright just a little bit of garlic because I didn't want that to be the overwhelming flavor however raw garlic is so healing it is, um, anti-inflammatory, anti-microbial, it's antiviral, um, eat your raw garlic. Right now, um, most pine nuts are coming out of China and I really am not eating a lot of pine nuts right now because, uh, we don't know how they're grown. And I really try to eat organic whenever possible. So for the asparagus, I really like to use walnuts and it just makes for, gives it a little bit of, I don't want to say bitterness, but it gives it a little bit of tang, um, since walnuts do have that bitter end, but combined with the olive oil and the Parmesan, it mellows that bitterness out. So it's a really nice nut. Um, Olive oil. Do not use your bulk olive oil for making a pesto. You want to use your very best olive oil because that's going to add either the grassiness or sweetness, whatever type of extra virgin olive oil you use. You don't want one that is bitter because it will really affect this whole dish. So start to finish, I blanch off, I cut off the ends of my asparagus and then leaving them whole I put them in salted boiling water always salt your water that's it's like you're brining whatever you're putting in there so that it is now salted when it comes out same with pasta so I cooked those a little longer than if I was just going to um, put them on the table as a vegetable Um, probably about two minutes maybe closer to three and uh i strain it out and then i make sure that that asparagus is completely cold um, with with water you know cooled down with water and uh, then i cut off the tips and put those aside and chop up the stems and put them into um, uh, either kitchen or um, roboku whatever kind of chopper that you have and I uh, put in some salt and a little salt, not a lot because we have pre-salted those, and uh, some olive oil and puree that until it's starting to, to get fairly small. I add the walnuts that I've toasted. I should say while that asparagus is cooking, you're going to want to toast your nuts. And that also takes away some of that bitterness and some of that raw flavor because that's not what we want. Uh, it's I love raw raw nuts in my salads, but for, uh, for this dish, because this is the only cooking we're going to be doing of the sauce, you want to toast your nuts ahead. And depending on the nut, um, And on how you like to do it, uh, for walnuts, I do like to put just maybe for a cup of walnuts, I will put in maybe a teaspoon of oil and a pinch of of salt. And I'm just toasting these to a point where we're just starting to see a little color and that's it. It's so quick to go from a little color to burnt. So you don't want to walk away from the stove whenever you are toasting nuts. When those are done, I put them on a couple paper towels so they can um, strain off any extra oil. There shouldn't really be much of any. Um, very, You don't need a lot of oil. It's mainly just to help um, for the salt to stick to the nuts and for um, you to be able to uh, easily work with them in the pan. So now I have my asparagus pureed or chopped up, I put in my walnuts. I put in, I always start with one clove of garlic and you can always add more, but boy, having raw garlic that is taken over a dish, you can't take that out. So one clove of garlic and whatever herbs that you want and just puree that until it is Um, completely, it's not going to be completely smooth, but as much of a paste as you like, and you might like it to be slightly chunky. I like mine to be fairly smooth. So at this point, before adding anything else, you're going to taste it and see if you want more salt. If you do, just add a tiny bit more because we haven't added the Parmesan in yet. So what I do at this point is, if it feels really dry, go ahead and add some of your olive oil, puree it a little bit more and then scoop all of that out into a bowl and add a nice handful of parmesan to it and, and then as needed a little olive oil just so that it's a nice consistency. There's your pesto. So in addition to tossing this with pasta, I would also say it's terrific with eggs or on bread. as a a sandwich spread. And there's so many things you can do with this. But last night we decided to have it with the pasta. So I scooped out um, some from this bowl and put it into a serving bowl. And I put my uh, chilled asparagus tips in the bowl as well. And once I put in the hot pasta, all of that warmed right up. So I didn't need to worry about you know cooking the asparagus tips anymore so you've cooked your pasta in salted boiling water and before i drain out my cooked pasta i always take a little bit a cupful of that cooking water and put it aside and i have that just in case i do it every time because after tossing whatever sauce you've made with your pasta you may find that it's a little dry and you've got just that little bit of water that you can add, um, not your whole cup, but if you need to add just a little at a time, then it's right there. So, and it's got the starch from the pasta as well. So it helps, um, thicken up or loose or add water to any sauce to loosen it up a little. So I just tossed it. I, um, Put it in serving bowls. It's got these wonderful studs of the asparagus tips um, and parmesan on top for serving. And then any um, nuts I had left over, I just chopped up fairly fine and sprinkled those on top as a finish. And voila, you have a wonderful spring pesto. We paired that with a nice glass of rose, and uh, it was. A perfect spring meal. Uh, since last night, it was still nice weather. <laughs> we were able to enjoy that that evening, an evening of relief. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, what I'm reading right now. Uh, in episode 103, I had talked about a new biography uh, that I had heard about uh, that was written about Beatrix Potter. And just as I was about to begin that book, I received a book in the mail from a friend. And it was such a surprise. Um, I, I didn't know that he was going to send it, but at a dinner party, he had told me about this book. And since it was right there, I decided that was the book that needed to be started immediately. So it is called Sky Time in Gray's River, Living for Keeps in a Forgotten Place. And the author is Robert Michael Pyle. And the reason that this book even came up in our conversation, and that I just am loving it, is uh, Gray's River is a tiny little community in Washington State. It's on Highway 4 right on the Columbia River. And when we, uh, my husband and I, drive out to uh, the Long Beach Peninsula, which is An area that several of both of our siblings have beach houses and my in-laws up until last month had a beach house for 20 years Um, We don't like to drive on the Oregon side Because it isn't just it just isn't quite as picturesque as driving on the Washington side so we always take the freeway to Longview and then uh, cut through town to highway 4 and drive out and drive out past these bucolic Little places like Grays River. And Grays River to me is kind of my fantasy of just that's where I want to live. It's in the middle of nowhere, it's a good hour from anywhere, and it is. You know, you can see the river from most of the houses. There's a little canal that um, winds up. And there's some houseboats or, or houses that are straddling over this little river. And you can see that farther back in the hills that there are wonderful farms. And that's, of course, to me, seems like a dream. And so this book is written by a man that lives in this community and it's the history of his house and the history of um, the people that created this community and I'm just just a few chapters in so we'll see where it goes from there but um, Robert Michael Pyle is most definitely a naturalist and so talking about um, the trees on his property and stories of um, walking on the on a traditional New Year's Day um, hike around your property is um, a many years tradition, many decades tradition in that community. This is the kind of community, or I should say this is the kind of area where you can be standing in your yard and a bald eagle flies over and um, you can see the, um, you know, local fishermen putting their boats in the river. And um, it's, uh, I can't even describe it. It's, uh, if you are anywhere near that area I just suggest driving highway 4 and while there are other communities that one just um, really speaks to me it just seems particularly special so uh, I'm really enjoying sky time in Grays River and also on my nightstand on a more witchy note because if you don't know by now, I am definitely a witch. <laughs> I decided to take myself out of the closet. Or actually, several friends kind of took me out of the closet a few years ago. <laughs> but, um, and I shouldn't say that I'm, I'm not someone that is outcasting spells. I think that that is important work, but it's not something I'm called to. But working with plants, working in the kitchen, working with nature spirits, to me, that is being a witch. And this is a beautiful book uh, by Corinne Boyer, who is a resident of Washington State, and uh, came down to Oregon to teach a class last year, and that I really enjoyed. Um, And this book is the first in a trilogy. It's called Under the Witching Tree, and it is her... um, uh, I'm just going to read the back because it helps explain it. <laughs> Under the Witching Tree is the first in a trilogy of books by Corinne Boyer, a folk herbalist known for her work exploring the traditional, medicinal, and magical applications of plants and trees as well as their folklore. And that to me is what I love. I love folklore. Um, I, In my 20s, I just got so obsessed with... Um, the Medieval uh, Medicinal Gardens of the Monks. <laughs> I think it was because we had watched Brother Cadville on um, Mystery uh, on uh, PBS. And if you ever watched that, it was such a great one. I think it was Derek Jacoby was the actor that played Brother Cadville. And he would solve mysteries in their um, uh in their community and, but at the same time he had his still house where all of his herbs hung and he was the um, medicine maker for his community. So I obviously was born of the wrong sex and at the wrong time (laughs) because that has always, um, interested me so much. And so this type of book really speaks to me, uh, in the first book, Under the Witching Tree, focuses on the rustic magical traditions surrounding trees from Western and Northern Europe and North America. Corinne's work, backed up by nearly 20 years of experience in the field, is full of information that is today little known, particularly within modern herbalism. This is a book which which presents the reader with a wealth of homespun and very hands-on practices, exploring tales, charms, spells, recipes, and rites, focusing on 20 different trees." For me, what I find interesting in this is the wonderful folklore of the trees. Because when we look at the history, it helps us understand the present. And both modern uses, such as willow, did you know that willow was the the first plant that aspirin came from? And so, if you look back at the history and how it was used in um, times before ours, and then coming up to a point where it's become put aside for the uh, chemical representation of that little pill, I just I, those are the those are the um, ailments I feel you can still cure by chewing on willow bark, <laughs> or just. I don't really chew on willow bark, but willow bark tea is a wonderful um, headache remedy. So you don't have to put that chemical into your body. I, for me, if I can cure it with a plant, um, and sometimes just sitting with a plant can be a wonderful cure. But if you can cure something with a plant, do that first before going for that aspirin on the shelf. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, back in the day when uh, I had the old podcast, I would get up on my soapbox almost every week and talk about the importance of eating organics. Um, wherever you eat your, the most meals, that should be where you're eating organics or as natural to food as you can afford. And what you put in your body isn't limited just to food. So the soapbox you're going to hear me get up on again and again in this podcast will most definitely be why put chemicals in your body if it's possible for you to heal yourself with a more natural way of doing it. And it isn't even, um, I'm not suggesting that you, um, Don't take the aspirin that you drink willow bark tea because in the same way you're using those in an allopathic manner, which is allopathic is the way that we approach medicine today. Um, More, I would say, let's figure out why you have a headache and let's see if there's something in your life that you could change so you don't have headaches anymore. But yes, get rid of that pain with some willow bark tea, and then maybe do some evaluating. Um, are you getting enough water? It might be as simple as that. Do you have way too much stress in your life? What can you do to change what's happening in your life? And if you're in a spot in your life where nothing can change, what can you add? Maybe some good exercise to relieve some of that stress. There's just so many, um, so many ways that you can look at this, um, without just taking kind of that easy way out because it isn't really an easy way out. It's just covering something up. It is blocking something. But when the aspirin wears off, if you're getting headaches a lot, it's probably going to come back. So that's the end of the soap boxes. <laughs> I feel like this is a real soapbox episode. I guess that's going to have to be the name of it. So both of these books um, touch different parts of me, and I'm really loving both of them. Uh, I will definitely put links in the show notes for both those books. Later today, I'm going to be taking off for uh, the Southern Oregon Coast uh, for some coursework. It's part of a program that I've been in for the last almost three years now. It's a specific way of making tinctures and looking at, um, really medicine making in general. It's called Spagyrex and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the process right now. Um, I am kind of waiting until uh, I start moving my business in that direction and then we'll have a whole podcast about it. But, um, This weekend is uh, the third time, I guess it's actually the second time of going to um, the property where the school is at. And so this evening, I'll be picking up a friend who lives in Edinburgh, Scotland, and is also in the program, and we will be driving down to the coast. She was supposed to have arrived yesterday, but in between edinburgh and london she had a very close connection and she was running off the uh the airplane and it was one that where you go down the stairs onto the tarmac and she went flying and um hit her head and shoulder broke a few fingers i just poor thing is a mess she had to go to the hospital and so uh, missed all kinds of flights and um I just feel terrible that she had to then still get get on a long flight uh, to arrive here. And then I'm going to be picking her up and taking a five-hour card ride to get down to the coast since our class starts tomorrow morning. So I have packed all kinds of um, healthful things for her. Um, a wonderful tea of relaxing herbs along with lots of comfrey because comfrey is terrific for uh, broken bones <laughs> as well as bone set obviously the name implies what it does and um i do make a cbd ointment that has arnica and saint john's wort in it as well and that ointment is going to be so soothing to all her bruise spots and she's got plenty Um, and it really helps in taking the inflammation down as well. So, um, that, and, um, even I, I have a lip balm that I've made that's called calm and it has lavender and chamomile essential oils in it. And just even having that on her lips will help Just take everything down a few notches. Uh, We ended up uh, texting for most of yesterday afternoon where it was afternoon for me, but night for her. But she was just so in so much pain she couldn't sleep. So I am hopeful that by tomorrow morning she will be feeling at least a little better, be able to concentrate since she's come so far for this class. I've really liked the way that this school sets up their program where the philosophy portion can be done completely online and then when we come to the practicum, we go to their school and take the practicum portions. So um, you're not having to travel for things that you can be reading and uh, at home and then sending in your homework and uh, it's worked very well. Uh, for her to especially since she can come here once a year for this program and I've made a wonderful new friend (laughs) in the process. So um, I will be gone from uh, tonight until coming back home on Monday and I'll be able to show her uh, a little bit of my spot on Mount Hood. Uh, She'll be here for a couple more days which I'm pretty excited uh, to be able to share this with her as well. So when next we meet again, towards the end of next week, um, I'll be able to give you a little more overview of um, just this very interesting process, very old process. And as I'm sure you can see, I love the old. The old is new again, (laughs) Uh, into a more modern context, of course. So I just want to thank you again today for joining me. Uh, Oh my goodness, I almost said here at the kitchen table. That's hilarious. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me in the chicken coop. (laughs) You can find me on uh, various social outlets as Deb Accardi, and it's A-C-C-U-A-R-D-I. I I spend my most time on Instagram, and that's where you'll find photos of the garden, uh, photos of new products. Um, And if you follow, hopefully you're going to get this podcast soon. So uh, I will have some beach photos on there. And um, I also encourage you to go to the website, chickencoopbotanicals.com And you can send me any messages straight from there and also sign up for my monthly newsletter. Uh, The newsletter comes out on the new moon each month, a time of new intentions, and is full of everything that's going on that you don't hear about in this podcast. So uh, you can uh, just press the little envelope at the top of the website, and that is how to connect with me in both those spaces. But I am on Facebook, and there is a Facebook page uh, that always gets kind of the big notices. I don't chit-chat on the Facebook page very much. I let you know when there's a new podcast, when the newsletter's coming out, when there's new products going into the shop, if there's an event that I'll be at, or um, classes that I'll be teaching. And there will definitely be some classes this summer, Uh, the weather... I got to tell you this last week of good weather, I was fully in the garden planting every single day. So, uh, it was, and then of course we end up with the rain. So, um, by the time my guest leaves, uh, the weather will be just getting back to, uh, to a nice weather. Sadly, she's coming from Scotland. She's actually Greek and she lives in a rainy place. She'll be here all five or all week that she's here will be rain and, um, Then the day she leaves it'll be nice again. Which is too bad. But anyway, um, I will be giving announcements on that Facebook group and on the blog. I'm not super active on my blog because there's so many other places to write these days. I still am looking at the blog as what will this what is the intention still? So, But it is occasionally there, and if I do have a blog post, I will make sure to put that on the Facebook page as well, and it's always in the newsletter. I hope you have a wonderful and thoughtful week, and all good things come to you. Thank you for joining me here in the Chicken Coop, and we'll talk again next week.